I see this yes. all the time. All the time. It's one little thing happens or maybe plans change and you have to shift your plan or you wanted to eat something that maybe didn't work quite right for your goals that day. And then it just gets blown out of proportion and you kind of find yourself in a little bit of a spiral because you're going back and forth and back and forth and like adjusting all the things and like worrying that it's not right. And at some point, it's like you just have to make a decision and stand by it. Have your own back. Talk to yourself in a respectful manner, but say like, okay, my numbers weren't quite there today. That's fine. I really wanted this and I got it and it was actually satisfying to me. And tomorrow, maybe I'll have it again, but I'll plan a little better knowing ahead of time that I'll go into my day working around this thing that's maybe a little bit less protein. And it's just life. And it's just food. Like, I think that's another (laughs) thing. It's just food. Welcome to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. I'm Brooke. And hello, I'm Iris. On this show, we challenge the common understanding of what it means and what it takes to be fit and healthy. We explore all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health without the fluff and BS. So grab a coffee, get ready to laugh, cry, even learn a thing or two. Let's get into it. Hey, Brooke, what's up? What is going on? Things are good. I have zero complaints. Halloween was a blast last night. My little guy was Sully from Monsters, Inc., and he was just adorable. We went to this big trunk or treat thing in a city that is uh, about 20 minutes away from us, and he had a blast. They had a DJ. He was dancing. He got candy. He was living his best life last night. (laughs) Very cool. How about you, Iris? I'm good. Our neighborhood isn't super big on trick-or-treating, which honestly was fine by me because it was cold and it was rainy and we had friends online that were hanging out. So (laughs) we hopped in there. We had like two kids come from our door. Our The neighborhood next door, I've been told, has the better candy and the houses are closer together so you can get more loot in less time. So all the kids in our neighborhood go over to that neighborhood. (laughs) We did some math and we're like, listen, this math over here is mathing. So (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So no complaints for me, though. It was nice, chill evening. Yeah. Micah got a lot of candy, but not so much that it was overwhelming. Like he got like a few of it and he's not a chocolate eater. So I just put the little chocolate in a baggie anytime I want like a little Snickers and I add it into my calories and just pop it in there and things are good. But he had a blast. It was really cool. And it's so interesting because like usually here in the Seattle area, like it's rainy, it's windy. And last night was so beautiful. It was like the perfect trick-or-treating weather. Oh, good. Got a lot of steps in. It was perfect. Nice. Nice. We have a big old, we did get candy just in case. We figured not too many would come by because they didn't last year. When I was bummed last year because we were Jesse and Jane's from Pokemon and our costumes <gasps> oh, were friggin' awesome. We didn't do costumes this year, but we do have a giant basket of leftover candy that I plan on eating over the next month and a half. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like the um, like having one small one a day after dinner or something oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what are we talking about today on the topic of candy? We are talking about good foods versus bad foods, clean foods versus dirty foods, really like labeling foods and the way that you talk to yourself after you eat those foods. Like Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people when they start labeling things like good, bad, clean, dirty, on track, off track, eating like an asshole, eating like an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. All of that comes down to 
the way that we believe in ourselves. And it also comes down to the way that you label food, you're subconsciously labeling yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that is really important to talk about because when people say, oh, I'm eating junk, they're talking about themselves as, as if they're a dumpster. And that's just not true. Food is food. Mm-hmm. There's nothing good about it. There's nothing bad about it. And I think it's really important to to make sure that we are putting like we're using positive language, not just around ourselves, but with our food as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's especially important to talk about, I think, in this, <laughs> this the most delicious time of the year, when we're surrounded by some not so common food. A lot of times we don't really have the abundance of candy around, except for Halloween and shortly thereafter, I don't think for most of us but also all the baked goodies and holiday parties and all of these things that just aren't normal, right? And all these labels come up and all these thoughts and feelings, not to mention the thoughts and feelings and the stress of hanging around people that you don't often hang around with (laughs) for reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That plays into it too. Yeah. Or using it as a way to like cope. Like let's say you're going to a family member's house and you there's just some tension there. A lot of people will use food to emotionally cope with that. Like, snacking on appetizers that not that you shouldn't do that but they're using food as a coping mechanism going overboard yeah exactly overindulging i think is a good good way to put it and mm-hmm. i think rolling into the holiday season it's especially important to talk about the way that we see food and the way that food fits into our diet because it's super important to make sure that you're using language around food and talking about yourself that is appropriate And when I say appropriate, I mean like not Mm self-deprecating. Yeah, food is neutral. Food is morally neutral. There is no such thing as a morally good or bad food. There is no such thing as an inherently fattening or inherent fat loss, weight loss food. That comes down to overall energy, calorie balance, energy balance, same thing. And the fear of gaining body fat, while understandable, really, really clouds this whole conversation for a lot of people because they equate gaining fat to being bad. That's a bad thing. So then that becomes like a moral conundrum in their head. Good food, bad food. They are a bad person if they eat this. They're being so good if they're eating that or not eating this. There's nutrient differences, obviously, All food breaks down into different ratios of the different macronutrients, and they all have a a role to play in our bodies. But when it comes to the morality of it and like being a good person or being a bad person or being naughty or all these things that we say, that is 100% a projection that doesn't exist unless we make it exist. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to be accusatory because I know these things are very, very deep rooted and have a lot of history. But at the same time, acknowledging that these things are 100% projections is hugely empowering because these are things that you can change, right? These are beliefs that you can change. Oh, for sure. Like you're not a good person if you decide to eat a salad. Mm -hmm. And you're not a bad person if you decide to have a burger and fries. Like that's silly. And I, I I personally have never been physically assaulted by a Snickers. <laughs> and I think it's important to say like what you put a label on, that that's a self-fulfilling prophecy right there. Like when you mm-hmm. put a label on it and you're like, this is a bad food, you eat it, oh great, I ate that, I was being bad or I am bad. 
that is really a toxic mindset to have. Like it's not a growth mindset. It's it's a very fixed to be perfectly honest. And I think that a lot of people when they have that fixed mindset, they truly don't understand like how it's actually affecting you deep down subconsciously. Mm -hmm. Or even consciously too. I mean, people put these labels on themselves intentionally because they think it will help them avoid the things that they have to avoid. And it's just creates a shame spiral, right? Our thoughts and the labels we put on things influence our feelings, which influence our behavior, which influence our thoughts and feelings, which influence our behavior. It's a cycle that we can break. We can have some control over it. Yeah, it's possible. Even labeling things as trigger foods, right? You're reinforcing the belief in yourself that this is a food that triggers me. I'm going to be triggered by this. And once I start, I can't stop. And this is just such a triggering thing, kind of catastrophizing it in your mind intentionally or unintentionally. But fact of the matter is that this language matters. The words we choose to talk about ourselves and about food, it matters. And it's really getting into our own personal biases and swirls and thoughts and feelings about these foods. And really, I want you guys to write them down. All of these foods that you have decided or been told or been taught or just think are bad that you can't have. And all of these foods that you think are good that you should have, right? Healthy food. Write them down. Observe them. Question them. Ask yourself, what rules are you giving yourself that you just use to judge yourself? Ooh, I like that. I yeah. really like that because people, they'll often label food good or bad and then they eat it. And then what do they start feeling? They start feeling shame. They start feeling guilt. They start berating themselves. And it's like, you're doing it to yourself mm -hmm. by putting these labels on it. So yeah, I absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And it goes back to tracking as an empowering thing, right? Obviously, always, we always acknowledge that it's a tool in the toolbox that not everybody should or needs to use. But it can be extremely empowering because if you learn how these foods break down into different macronutrients, it makes it sciency and it makes it less emotional. You actually know the things these foods contain and you know how they can work in your body. And you start to realize that it's always a decision to have the most helpful food, the most helpful amount of whatever food at the most helpful time. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's the time and day for a Reese's peanut butter cup. Sometimes it's not. And it's your choice. And it's a hugely powerful choice that you have. Yeah. I mean, tracking is not an end all be all. And that's something that I want to say first and foremost, because we talk a lot about fat loss on this podcast, because that's usually the people that are coming to us coaches is to help with body fat loss, like majority of our clientele. And it's really hard as a coach to see the potential in somebody, but they're allowing these labels to overrun their progress. And you certainly don't have to track calories for fat loss, but it is so helpful for learning what a true portion size looks like. It's helpful to know where you can fit in that flexibility. It's a, it's helpful because you can learn like what's accurate, what's not. And you can certainly lose fat without tracking calories, but that is a really slippery slope if you're struggling with these food labels. Like for example, having, oh God, I'm just going to say it because I fucking hate this, but like having a cheat day you're not cheating. Like cheating is like when in the history of ever has cheating on something <laughs> been a good thing. Exactly. It's an automatic negative label. Yeah. And when you start thinking that you're committing these 
I was just going to say crimes. <laughs> it's almost as if you're committing food crimes. You, you can't do that. That's kind of silly if you think about it. Cheating is inherently bad. Like when we think of cheating, like would you cheat on your spouse? I mean, if if you would, like you're kind of terrible. Probably not our people. <laughs> you're probably not our type of people. Definitely not our people. But you're not cheating on your diet. You're giving food way too much fucking power. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of people really struggle with understanding is you're giving food way too much fucking power. If you're saying I'm cheating on my diet or it's a cheat day. And I don't think people understand like on a quote unquote cheat day, you can really blow your progress out of the water. And and I know that we talk a lot about like, oh, you know, like all foods fit. You can have anything you want. There are limits, though. There are if you're spending a whole day eating food that you've been depriving yourself on, you can easily blow your your weekly deficit. Yep. And that's why I specified in the the last one we did with just the two of us is that when I'm in a deficit, I have an untracked day or an untracked meal. Yes. But it's not a cheat day. I eat the no. same or similar things in reasonable portions. I just have the psychological relief of not weighing and measuring it out, right? So that is a massive difference. It's the mentality behind it. Now, I do know some people who use the term cheat days and they are genuinely unaffected by it. They don't care. But I would hazard a guess for the majority of our listeners and for the majority of our clients and challengers, that is not the case. Not at all. Yeah. When we start talking about cheat days and cheat meals and all all this stuff, like, again, you're assuming that you're doing something bad. And you're not. Is your whole life and your your morality as a person going to be based around whether or not you choose a burger or a fucking salad? No. <laughs> yeah. And going back to the sciencey part of it, have you seen the <laughs> calorie counts on some of these salads? It's like double a burger and fries. Oh, I know the Cheesecake Factory. I remember going there one time. Yeah. And a salad was like 1,600 calories. Yeah. And a burger was like 1800 calories and with fries I'm I'm getting the fucking burger are you kidding me if I want the burger I'm getting the burger now is there benefit to having that salad even though it's high calories sure you have probably have more well you do have more micronutrients but to be perfectly honest if I'm going out to eat which I don't do often I'm going to choose what I fucking want you know the term eating like an asshole has really grown to kind of annoy me because it is one of those labels that people just kind of throw around, but it does sink in more than you realize. Like, okay, so if you kind of went off the rails and ate like an asshole, great. You're, you're labeling yourself an asshole. So then what? Guilt, shame, all of that stuff. You just open the door for it to come flooding in for no reason. Instead of thoughts, feelings, behavior, Looking at what's happening around, looking at maybe your appetite, maybe you let yourself a little get more hungrier than you usually do before you go out to eat. Maybe you were craving something that you just weren't paying attention. Maybe you were feeling something that you didn't want to feel. Analyzing, not judging, just observing and analyzing what was going on. And maybe it was completely mindless. That happens too, and that's fine. It doesn't need to be analyzed until the cows come home. But you can look at these patterns and behaviors without labeling yourself like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because when you start to label yourself, that becomes your inner narrative. That becomes what you 
are actually thinking about yourself. And if you're constantly feeling like you're eating bad foods and you're making quote unquote bad decisions, which means you're failing. And if you're failing, that means that you are inherently bad. That's not going to fucking help you at all. I would love for somebody to challenge me with the belief that negatively speaking to yourself results in success because I would fucking win that argument hands down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a very small segment that likes the the Goggin style and it truly is served by the Goggin style, in my opinion. A small handful of people is served by the Goggin style. You know, you got to be hard. I'm not a fan of it. I, I think that the Goggin style is very inspiring. But not everybody has that mindset. Not everybody has the emotional capacity to talk to themselves that way and live that way without feeling some sort of guilt. Yeah. I think you can look at it every once in a while and get like a little burst of inspiration, but relying on that kind of thing, I'm not a super fan. No, no, I'm not either. And I think it's really important that people understand that like, if you do eat something you feel like you regret really digging into why do I regret this? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the reason? Instead of just treating your surface level like it's it's not a big deal or or making it a bigger deal than it is. I think that's what's important is a lot of times people will quote unquote screw up and they make it a way bigger deal than it is. Like, Like that Cheesecake Factory situation, you go out to eat And you decide to get a burger and then you're like, oh, fuck, I really should have gotten a salad. I'm going to ruin all of my progress. Like there is no benefit to speaking to yourself that way at all. Yeah. Catastrophizing. I see this all the time. All the time is one little thing happens or maybe plans change and you have to shift your plan or you wanted to eat something that maybe didn't work quite right for your goals that day. And then it just gets blown out of proportion and you kind of find yourself in a little bit of a spiral because you're going back and forth and back and forth and like adjusting all the things and like worrying that it's not right. And at some point, it's like you just have to make a decision and stand by it. Have your own back. Talk to yourself in a respectful manner, but say like, okay, my numbers weren't quite there today. That's fine. I really wanted this and I got it and it was actually satisfying to me. And tomorrow, maybe I'll have it again, but I'll plan a little better knowing ahead of time that I'll go into my day working around this thing that's maybe a little bit less protein. And it's just life. And it's just food. Like, I think that's another (laughs) thing. It's just food. You know, Mm -hmm. when you start to give food this power and this label of you are not good if you make a decision that's not something that your goals align with. Like if you are really serious about reaching your goal, it's so important to understand that there are going to be things that come up in life where you're going to have to make a decision and you might not be the most proud of the decision that you make, but it's not going to fucking sabotage you unless you allow it to. That's a skill that needs to be built. And it can be hard, you know, especially for people with a more perfectionistic tendency going on because we want to be good at things, right? We want to be right. We want it to work. We don't want to quote unquote fail again, but at the same time, making a decision, standing by it, having your own back, maybe meeting yourself in the middle of the things it takes to reach your goals and the things you just really fucking want right now for some reason, It's a skill and it takes practice and it's not always going to be perfectly balanced and that's fine. And that's when the practice of, again, zooming out of yourself, 
writing these things down if you need to, noticing your feelings, noticing your thoughts, noticing your cravings, noticing the people you're with, noticing the recent life events and the stresses and the work and all this stuff that's just happening. And taking a pause before reacting to all of these things, because that's what screws people over a lot, is they're just reacting. Yes. They're not taking reasonable control over the things that they do have control over and not and reasonable control, not like white knuckling and <laughs> <Yeah>. driving yourself <laughs> insane trying to control all these things that don't need to be controlled. No. And that just if you just relax a little bit, it'll be fine. But at the same time, you have more control than you think you do. Exactly. And I think people, when they feel like they're losing control, that's when they use food to try to manage it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I was actually talking to uh, Nick about, Nick is on my other podcast, Donuts and Dumbbells. He's my co-host. Nick, and whoop. Nick Anderson, well, what? <laughs> we were talking about self-efficacy and believing in yourself and the internal beliefs that you have. Those are the things that you are telling yourself. So making sure that like what you're saying is actually matching reality, because we talked about perfectionists and we talked about perfectionism and we talked about self-sabotage. And to be honest, if you are calling yourself a perfectionist, you're actually setting yourself up for failure because realistically and logically, you know this, like logically, everybody knows there's no such thing as being perfect. So when you're using I'm a perfectionist as an excuse, you're ultimately self-sabotaging. You're setting yourself up to fail. So first and foremost, if you're referring to yourself as a perfectionist, fucking stop. You're a human first and foremost. And part of the human experience is food. Food is a huge part of so many different cultures, of every culture. And if you are going to blow your progress by saying, I'm a perfectionist and I just ruined it, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So quit calling yourself a fucking perfectionist. Sorry, that was a little rant, but no, it's important. <laughs> I am totally on board, totally on board with you, though, because that will bite people in the ass. Like you said, you are automatically setting yourself up for, for failure. You will always fall short of perfection because perfection is in it's an unrealistic standard, right? I love that you mentioned that food is such a big part of culture because especially running up to the holiday season, and I I think about this all the time, and I think about the things I used to do to try to avoid my husband's cultural food. He's from South Louisiana. He's Cajun. Everything is served over rice. There's roux in pretty much everything, which is basically flour and oil. It's incredible. And I used to be so bent out of shape when that was on the menu, and I can only imagine how he felt. I, I, I'm, it's one of my bigger regrets in life is this, you know, at the same time, it's like, you don't know what you don't know, but looking back on it, it's like, oh my God, girl, chill. But he would cook for me and the gymnastics that I would put myself through in my head, trying to be okay with this or not eat it. It's not okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm just going to say it. It's not okay. Food is fuel. Yeah, of course. Literally, on a very literal level, calories. Calories are energy. Energy is fuel. But it's also culture. It's heritage. It's self-expression. It's love. (laughs) It's enjoyment. Yeah. I joke that food is my love language. I love feeding people and sending them food. Celebration, mourning, tradition, like all these traditional foods that we have around the holidays are pretty high carb. Some are high fat. been thinking about this recently, too. 
you got to deal with stuff around food. You have to. It's part of life. You need to eat to live. You have to confront these things within yourself and get down to the root of what's going on. It is your responsibility, frankly. I'll just come out and say it, especially if you have children or young kids in your life, nieces and nephews, friends, kids. This is your responsibility Yes, to unpack this stuff and deal with it in yourself, not only for yourself, but for them. Do not put this on them. Oh, yeah. If your child ate a piece of candy, would you berate your child and tell them you're bad for eating that? No, because that would be fucking silly. Yeah, (laughs) I hope not. If you do, like, go fuck yourself. But I really don't find the logic. I mean, and, and that's funny because I used to do that, right? Like, I used to do that. I used to label foods clean and dirty and all that shit. Again, we're coming up to the holiday season. And what a lot of people think is that they don't have control. Mm-hmm. In reality, you are in control. Like a good real life example was the other day I walked into Costco and sure as shit, there were the peppermint pretzel crisps that were on sale. I didn't need to buy them because I'm like, I can have them at any time. If I mm-hmm. really want to get peppermint pretzel crisps, I can order them online. And a lot of people will buy these foods And they'll be like, well, I can't control myself around them. And then they end up eating the whole fucking bag in a night. You know, Mm -hmm. the point is you have control of what you put in your cart. Mm -hmm. You know, you have control on what you put in your body and knowing like around the holiday times, there are going to be good foods and stuff around. So first and foremost, one thing that I do with my one-on-one coaching clients is when it comes to about like one or two weeks out from Thanksgiving, I, I, Try to let my clients know it's cool to move into maintenance for the holidays. Oh, hell yeah. Like oh, move yeah. maintenance, give yourself a little bit of extra calories so you can enjoy those foods, you know, but even if you don't, you don't have to buy them. You don't have to bring them in the house just because it's the holiday season. And if you do bring them in the house, it is okay to eat them and portion a size out and have one serving size. The more you do that, the more okay you become with doing that. What do you say to people or what are your thoughts around once I start, I just feel like I can't stop or I I, like I think about it all the time because I know it's in my house. I put it in the pantry. I know it's there. And I just can't stop thinking about it until I go eat more. That is a great question. That is a great question. And I think a lot of it has to do with emotion and anxiety around having it in your house. And the way that people usually cope with that is by eating. Mm. And so if they're already thinking, if they're already fixated on the food that's in their house, I would recommend if it's possible for this person, I would recommend them going in, opening up. I'm going to use the pretzel crisps as an example because they're fresh on my mind. Go get a few snack size bags or Tupperware or whatever and portion yourself out to have some every single day for a month. Every single day, because I can almost guarantee that halfway through the month, you're not going to need them because you're giving them to yourself every day. It's almost like you're desensitizing yourself to the pretzel crisps and knowing like the fact that like if you are giving them this control and you're thinking about them all the time, you're giving that food power. And when you say, I can't control myself around them, that is allowing food to take that power away from you. So 
the first thing that I recommend to people, like I actually had a client where she loved ice cream every single night. She would eat ice cream and she would eat a whole pint. She'd be like, oh, I can't control it. Anytime she would get ice cream, she would eat the entire pint until I said, okay, I want you to measure out one serving of ice cream every single night for your first four weeks of consistent calorie tracking. So she was tracking it. She was being accountable. And like, I want to say three weeks into the month, she's like, I can't eat that ice cream anymore. It's it's just getting old. And now she can have it in her house and she could take it or leave it. So I think a lot of it has to do with making sure that you aren't allowing food to, number one, take control. And number two, desensitize yourself to that shit. I don't feel the need to go and eat all of my son's Halloween candy because if I want a fucking Snickers, I'll buy a fucking Snickers. It's one of those situations where like if someone is really struggling and they feel like, okay, I can't have this in the house. The other the other option, get it out of your fucking house. Don't bring it into the house in the first place. Oh, I'm not gonna be able to control myself. Don't try to do trial and error and be like, oh, I guess I'll try it this time unless you have a plan. That's the beautiful thing about working with a coach is that we often think of things that the average person wouldn't think of. So a lot of the time I tell my clients to do the opposite of what they think they should do. And once they do that, they're like, oh, okay. (laughs) I see why you do that. But yeah, I would say, number one, don't buy the food. Number two, try to desensitize yourself to the food. Give it to yourself once a day, twice a day. Shit. I had those pretzel crisps in my house. I would put it, I would put two servings down daily so I could have some in the afternoon, some at night, something around those lines. But I know that I don't need the pretzel crisps. So that's why I just didn't buy them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes it is just easier not to have them in the house. I do think, and I wonder what you think of this. I do think for the majority of people, it would be I don't know if better is the right word, but it would be more helpful to buy them, portion them out, and kind of force yourself to practice this, like confront it head on. Because I feel like avoiding it more often than not just kind of hypes it up more. And it reinforces Mm -hmm. that identity that like, well, if I just have one, I, I can't just have one. I just can't stop, which I will add is a permanent I am statement, which Pew, 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 alert. Let's confront those. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because it's something you can change, right? And when you're eating these foods, eat them slowly. Yeah. Take your time. Don't preload your fork. Pause, chew, swallow. See what comes up for you, right? Mentally and emotionally, but also pay attention to how you feel. Are you satisfied? Are you getting full? I did this with Oreo cookies when I first started trying mm-hmm. this desensitizing shit. And I would make myself eat four Oreo thins because I think Oreo thins are better than regular Oreos. Mm, we differ on this one. We we will fight about this, Iris. <laughs> we will. We will fight fight until the death of this. Um, <laughs> but I really like Oreo thins. So I will have four every... I had four every single day. And now I can keep fucking Oreos in my house and it's not a big deal. It's just Mm -hmm. not a big deal. Now, if I were to tell myself, I'm not going to keep any Oreos in the house, then I'm going to think about Oreos way more. And then when I get the Oreo, I'm going to be like, well, this is really not as good as I made it out to be. And then you're going to regret eating those calories. At least that's what how my mind works when I was in that little shame spiral. Because let's be honest, like even us as coaches, like the reason why we know what to do is because we've fucked up in the past before. We've yo dieted. We've done this before. So those of you listening, like just understand that we're speaking from a place of experience. We're speaking from a place of experience. And I know for me, 
if I were to just say like, I'm going to completely eliminate that food out of my life, I'm going to be thinking about that food all the fucking time. And then when I finally get my hands on it, I'm going to go All crazy. bets are off. Yeah. All bets are off. All <laughs> bets are off. I will turn myself turn into an Oreo. Next year's Halloween costume. <laughs> That's actually a really good idea. <laughs> it goes back to, though, it's not about the food. No. It's real. It's. It's not about the food. It's about the feelings and the patterns and the thoughts and behaviors, right? It's what are your beliefs about this food? What is your history with this food, right? Maybe it was off limits as a kid. Maybe you were berated by mom for eating this. Yes. There's always something deeper. Maybe it's just a taste that you really, really like and you have to desensitize yourself a little bit. I mean, that I have ADD. That is one of my things, I guess you could call it, is that when I have a taste that I really like, I will go until the next morning unless I have these strategies in place, portioning them out, rearranging my pantry so they're not right in front of my face, not leaving the snack mountain on the counter or the candy bucket by the door. Literally before this podcast, yesterday was Halloween. I have the leftover candy in a basket. It's in the pantry now, on the bottom, in the corner, so I don't have to decide every time that I don't really need one because I don't need one. But it's just that mental game of like, but I could. Exactly. And when you are in that headspace, it is important to write down your thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of clients where it's like, well, I'm an emotional eater. What do I do? You deal with your emotions. You d you deal with your fucking emotions. Like I, I love everybody listening to this podcast but you got to start dealing with your shit. I'm going to just be very blunt about that because in order to move past those thoughts and feelings, you have to work through them. There is no, no way out. The only way out is through. And when you realize why you have these behaviors and patterns around food, then you can deal with a situation. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a house where we were kind of food insecure at times. So one of the big things that I still to this day struggle with is like having enough food in the house. Like I will often overbuy groceries because I'm afraid that even still to this day, I get scared that there's not going to be food, enough food around. First of all, one of the best things I did was go to therapy first mm -hmm. and foremost. And I think a lot of people could really benefit from therapy, especially when it comes to things like potential binge eating, when it comes to perfectionism and, and, and whatnot. But figuring out why you think certain foods are good and bad, figuring out why you think it's okay to cheat on your diet. Number one, if you're cheating on your diet, which first of all, you're not fucking cheating, but if you feel like you're cheating on your diet, you're being too restrictive. It's the wrong you're being fucking diet. Yeah. yeah, it's the wrong fucking diet. You should be able to eat a piece of pizza and not feel like your world is going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. I would first of all recommend writing down your thoughts and feelings, understanding that your feelings are valid, but they're not always facts. Like feelings are not facts. And I think that's so important for people to understand. Become excruciatingly aware and honest and write this shit down, like I was saying at the beginning. Especially going into these events, right? We didn't talk too yes. much about events. We just talked about specific foods. But where's your hunger at? Don't go starving. What's your appetite like? Where are your emotions? Who are you going to be with? What past meals did you have? What do you actually want when you're there? Not what you think you quote unquote should have, right? Because it's healthy or because you're trying to avoid foods that you think you shouldn't have. You can look at these things without judging them. 
Yes. Or judging yourself. Right. And I think that's important because when you are being honest, and this is something I just want to say, because I know that people will be too honest with themselves. That's a slippery slope to where people can start the negative self-talk. Honesty without kindness is brutality. Mm-hmm. So if you are being honest with yourself, make sure that you're also practicing being kind to yourself and being compassionate to yourself and understand that your patterns and behaviors are from years and years of disordered thought patterns. Your thoughts are just that. That's exactly what they are. Is they're just thoughts. Again, dealing with their feelings. So you're not eating them. I'm going to say it again. Feelings are not facts. If you're a perfectionist, you're more than likely going to self-sabotage instead of saying I'm a perfectionist, something along, along the lines of I'm struggling with this food. Why am I struggling with this food? Why do I feel the need to raid my kitchen at night? What can I dig into that's the real answer to that question? And then reframing it into I am a person learning to deal with my emotions. I am a person learning to have moderation in these really tasty foods. I am learning to let these things run their course without trying to fix them immediately, right? And I think it bears mentioning too If you do like try this everyday suggestion, which I love and have implemented, we actually in the latest challenge with Team BFF, we've been doing this. If you try that and you still want more, like after you have a piece and you still want more, pause and sit with it and be very mindful. And you'll probably notice that after a few minutes, that feeling will subside more often than not. And if it doesn't, that's fine. But people react to the feeling of wanting more immediately, right? Before they sit and mm-hmm. pause and see, is this helpful? Do I do I need this or do I want this? And it's not that acting on wants is bad all the time, but <laughs> circling way back to the beginning, the most helpful food, the most helpful amount of food at the right time. Yeah. You know, no food is off limits, but there are limits. That's so important for people to understand. And I love, love, love that you have people pause and be mindful of what they're feeling. Because one of the things that I've implemented with several clients of mine, when they're like, oh, I I ate this, but now I want more, is I tell them to drink eight ounces of water and set a 20-minute timer. And if they're still thinking about that food when that timer goes off, to allow themselves another serving. Because guess what? That's how you, that right there, that 20-minute pause, you can get caught up with the laundry. You could be starting to cook dinner. You can go on a walk. Like there are so many different things that you can do. So I will have my clients set a 20 minute timer, have a drink of water or have a glass of water or tea, like whatever you prefer, something that's zero calories. And most of the time they forget about that food Mm -hmm. or they realize after 20 minutes, okay, maybe I don't need it. I can enjoy it tomorrow. And telling yourself that too. If I want this food again, I can have it tomorrow. Use that excuse of tomorrow because I think that that is super helpful when you understand like, oh, I I can have this tomorrow. I can actually have this whenever I want. And that becomes so much less desirable. Yeah, I love that. I've implemented that too. And I do it sometimes for myself, again, with my, my sensation craving thing. It works half the time you forget about it. Most of the time you forget about it. Pick a chore, do it. Walk the dog, do the laundry, empty the dishwasher, set yourself a timer. That's huge. That's great. (laughs) 
I love it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I it, and it works really well. Mm-hmm. Really well. And it's one of those those methods that you don't realize until you do it that you're like, "Oh, okay. I just needed to take some space away from it and just get myself out of that situation." Mhm. Well, is there anything else? <laughs> I feel like we just wow. gave a masterclass. <laughs> I feel like we just coached a bunch of people for free. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We really, really hope that this was helpful for you. Like I had mentioned earlier, these are all things that we have been through personally. These are things we work with with our one-on-one coaching clients. And it is something that can be really empowering when you start to utilize your skills of being able to be in control of your food and the way that you talk about food and the way that you talk about yourself. So thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We appreciate you. We really do. And we'll talk to you next time. Same time, same place. Okay, love you. Bye. (laughs) Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by writing a review, subscribing wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find me, Iris, on Instagram at Iris Deadlifts. And you can find me, Brooke, on Instagram at Get You a Brooke. We'll talk to you soon. Nice. Nice.